I stand unequivocally on the Word of God, on healing, the Bible, prosperity, the Bible, sin, the Bible, everything, protection, the Bible, church, the Bible. supposed to talk right now. It's usually where a lapel, I mean, a headset. I walked out here. I'm about to jump on the stage, and I went, um, I'm just off track right now. You know, I was, I was uh, about, I was doing my usual worship evaluation. It's just a pastor's job. And what's great is, is that I honestly couldn't see because there's too many hands up. That's what I'm talking about. You guys just give me a little bit, little bit more on this thing so I don't have to eat it as much as I am so I can drop it down a little bit. Amen. You know, it's just... How about this sanctuary? How, about, compare, how many of you were here last week? What a difference, huh? What a difference. There's too many people, as everybody always says when they're about to thank everybody, there's too many people to thank. There really is because there's been so many people in here working just day in and day out, but the one person that I really have to thank is Travis Dexter. Seriously. See, oh, there he is, right there. There he is. Amen. Travis does all the work. I drive up to Tampa and get a $50,000 check from Jonathan. <laughs> no, but Travis was here, I mean, every night. I mean, every, every time I'm here, I'm here late because of the podcast and here putting in. And there's, there's countless other people that have done lots of stuff. I mean, it's just, it really is heartwarming. I, I, I get a little bit, uh, little weird things make me tear up. I never, I never really never know what it will be. That will, that'll call I looked up at the ceiling today, I started to well up with that. And earlier in the week, Aaron pulled into my driveway and he goes, hey, listen, letting you know that all of my stuff is good. All the computers, all the sound, I mean, all the sound equipment, everything is perfect. I mean, the high dollar stuff. You know, floors, eh, walls, eh. The tech stuff, hey, unscathed, you know. I mean, it, it really did. That's why we're podcasting. I mean, I was full screaming mode last night. You'd never think the church was all down around me, you know. But we will rise up out of this higher than we've ever been before. And great job. 
Great job coming to church today. Don't find a way out of church. If you're watching right now and you stayed at home because you got to do work on the house. Everybody's got to do work on the house. I mean, look at my face. I mean, just when I was starting to get rid of my raccoon eyes, now they're back. I've been dragging brush all week. I've got the Grizzly Adams beard going on. I've been dragging brush all week, doing things all week long like that. It is what it is. Amen. The title of this message, of course, we're going short today. And let me just give you my usual warning. Jeff probably did it already. But since we have kids in here, just remember, no problem with some chirping. But if it gets to be a major distraction, like your kid is carrying on a full-on conversation or your kid has emotionally exploded, <laughs> you're going to miss it. I mean, you're just going to miss the service today. I mean, you can go back and watch it on Facebook, but you're just going to miss it. So, I mean, I, don't, please, please, I, during these charitable times, <laughs> these times of compassion, everybody's waving at each other in my neighborhood. Good to see you. Even I want to be nice. So please don't force me to point you out. You're like, Tom, you'll do that? There's 500 people. And yeah, I'll do it. I don't I understand there'll be no holes barred with those things. And I was saying to myself yesterday, it was funny because I was all alone in the church about 1 o'clock in the morning because everybody, you know, the podcast went till 1130. I had to do message prep. Whenever I'm up, whenever I go up to... The river, it sets me back. I was up there on Friday night to listen to Jonathan preach. And I didn't go up there to collect the $50,000 check. He would have mailed that to me. But I went up there to hear him preach. I tried to go up on Wednesday, but I couldn't because the traffic. I mean, just stand still. I might as well just, I ended up making, I pretended like I was a cop for two minutes again and made an illegal U-turn on the interstate and just drove home. I've forgotten what it's like to actually have to pay attention to the police, you know. Like, any cops around here anywhere? <laughs> so I found one of those U-turns that's official use only. I officially used it. <laughs> the same thing happened on Friday night. Hope and I drove up. We left at 6 o'clock. Normally we'd get there right about 7, 7.07, something like that. And we got there at 8.18. It was just, it's just insane. People are, people are out of their minds right now. They really are. They're out of their minds. They're in shock. There were six crashes between here and exit 260A, which is to the river. Six crashes. We just one right after another. Right when we get clear, you know, I'm cranking it up, you know. And right when I do that, stop again. There we were, parking lot. And it took us, took us for forever. But whenever that's hap happened, it sets me back. So I was doing message prep last night here at the church. And I just actually said to myself, man, I have a weird life. <laughs> I'm sitting in an office that's completely stripped. There's nothing on the floor. There's not, I mean, it's, it's just stripped to, the stripped to the bone because of all the water damage. I'm sitting in there with my makeshift office. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, I just, I just was on TV. Me. <laughs> you might think, that, well, you're used to that. No, I'm not used to anything. It's just on TV. I'm like, I live a very weird sort of life, you know? But the thing is, what's great is, is that God's hand's on it, you know? And I mean, we just, I'm doing that. Hurricane blew through 10 days ago. Weird life. Maybe mine's not any more unique than anybody else's. 
But all I know is the title of this message is Up from the Ashes. Up from the Ashes. And I'm going to keep this short this morning because of all the kids that are in here. We're going to go for about 30 minutes. Isaiah 61.3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now what does ashes mean? If you look at scripture, when you're talking about the old covenant, under the context of the Torah, what does ashes mean? It means two things. It actually means grieving and it means trying. When when they were trying to provoke God, when they were trying to act in the covenant, they would put on sackcloth, cloth and ashes. When they were mourning, they would put on sackcloth and ashes. So let's look at this now. What I'm saying to you is, it is time to rise up from those ashes. When it comes to the storm, there's no more use in mourning. There's no more use in trying. It already hit. We can't be like, oh, I wish I would have turned the storm. Listen, Every storm that I have ever tried to turn has turned. But it didn't work this time. We talked about that last week. That's because of unbelief. There is no other explanation given to it in Scripture, so that's what it is. Well, you have to use wisdom. That's not a Bible verse. You shouldn't beat yourself up. That's not a Bible verse. Beat yourself up. It was unbelief. We're always so worried about working a nerve. It's why kids end up so frail now. They're frail physically because everybody strapped masks on them and locked down. Now they have no immune system. Maybe I watched the podcast last night. We have unleashed a plague upon our kids. You ever seen, you, you seen the new acronym that's out? It's called VADES. Now we have SADS that never existed before 2021. You're like, Tom, get off this. It's hurricane time. I've already moved on from the hurricane. Yes it, yes, it drags me back when I'm out there with adjusters and with the mold company handing out a $5,000 check. doing all. It drags me back in, but I've already moved on. I just expect that when we get done with this church, Bill Fancook's going to build us a palace. I've already, I've already moved on. So I'm back into talking about the war that we're engaged in. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's our job. And there's a war that's going on between the abortionists and you. And by abortionists, I don't mean those that are just in the clinics at Planned Parenthood. They're abortionists from start to finish. They're abortionists from birth to death. If they can't abort you in the womb, they'll abort you outside the womb because they are of their father, the devil, and they are murderers from the beginning, and the church stands in the gap. I want everybody to live, have life, and life to its full abundance. Everybody lives with Christianity. Everybody gets their shot at God in Christianity. But not with the globalist left. Oh, left, there he goes with politics. What do you want me to call them? 
I can call them the globalist antichrist spirit. Now that we have acronyms like SADS, Michigan coach drops on the sideline yesterday. He was alive, but he just drops perfectly. That's a former Michigan running back. The guy is ripped. He runs for a living. And just drops happening all over the globe. And now the studies are coming out that the masking and the locking down of children irreparably. Now we will pray over children if you locked your kid down or you masked your kid down. You don't ever need to tell me, respond to an altar call, we'll lay hands on you and that kid will be recovered. But the studies are coming out now. I told you, they will not be able to both literally and figuratively hide the bodies. These kids have no immune system left. Because here's the thing, I want to tell you something. This is deep now. I'm like a medical professional. <laughs> I said this on the podcast last night. I'm no medical professional, but it's kind of weird that the chubby preacher from Northport, Florida has gotten everything right. You know why? Because I studied to show myself approved. I said, I said months ago, months ago, six, eight months ago, that kids were being born to the tune of 3,000 a week in Australia without an immune system. And now the doctor came out, Dr. Thorpe, goes on to Dr. Drew, who was a vaccine pimp and whore himself and now has turned around. Amen. <laughs> and the doctor comes out and says, these kids are being, uh, is Natalie in here? Is Natalie right there? They're, is it thymus? It's their thymus gland. You only have one chance at being a fetus. And when you are, that thing is huge. Like for me, a thymus gland is fully developed and small because the immune system I got was already formed in the womb and then formed when you're one years old, then formed when you're two years old, formed when you're three years old, formed when you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You only have one shot at all those numbers. And when you don't form it, it never forms. It's just like when you block puberty, it don't come back. There's no long-term studies on that. And Planned Parenthood put out a commercial calling puberty blockers the same thing they called the vaccine, safe and effective. There's no studies, just like there was no studies for the vaccine. Oh yes, there was, there was clinical trials. Really, have you read the clinical trial? Study to show yourself approved. You ever read it? 44% of the pregnant women lost their babies. And then they come out, Rochelle Walensky comes out and says, oh, it's safe and effective. Fauci, Biden, Harris, Trudeau. Safe and effective for who? They're abortionists. They're murderers from the beginning. You wonder why Satan set a storm this way. You don't want us talking like this. He's a murderer from the beginning. You, then they belong to their father, the devil. They call themselves the compassionate one, and the gutless pastors that don't preach this stuff call themselves the compassionate ones. But with me, I'm trying to actually save lives. This is why we must rise. We, we, there's, there's no time to feel sorry for ourselves. Nothing. 
Listen, there's tons of damage to my house. I'm not going to talk about it much past today. There's tons of damage to my house. My house right now is a hurricane on the inside with all the fans in there. I got all those fans, the, you know, the ones that are basically like jet engines. Man, that's what it sounds like. Basically 24 hours a day, we shut them off at night so we can sleep, but my whole house sounds like, mm. And that's just so we can dry out the walls we're gonna take down. Glory. We have to rise. So ashes are about mourning. Listen, that should already be done, but if it's not, I'll cure you this morning. And ashes are about trying. We already tried to, to steer the storm. It didn't happen. So there's no use living in regret either about the trying. Look and listen, listen to this story, 2 Samuel 12, 16 through 23. David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child, the child he had with, ba with Bathsheba that God cursed. God would never do that. God did it's like he strikes people into sick beds in the book of Revelation. Most Christians would never worship God because he's not Christ-like. Because Christ-like Christ means put a smile on your face. I'm happier than everybody else. I've never stopped sinning. I'm going straight to hell, but look at me smile. I'm on a fresh start and a new beginning. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I must be saved. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and he fasted and went and lay all night on the ground, sackcloth and ashes. He's trying, trying to save the baby, trying to steer Ian away from us. So the elders of the house arose and went to him to, to raise up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they, for they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. So they're scared. They're scared. David's in there, sackcloth and ashing and trying when David saw that his disciples were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. He is dead. Now what do you do? Up from the ashes. So David arose from the ground. The fight is over. There's many more battles that we will win because thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Second Corinthians 2.14. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. The God who smote his own child then he, that's my own words, that's not in there. Then he went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while, while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food? 
Jesus is eating with the tax collector? And he said, there's always those people around. Always. We'll get to that if we have time. Oh, man, it's already 1048. And he said, while the child, David said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I was in sackcloth and ashes trying and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? Different covenant now. Just know that, different covenant. You pray now, it happens. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Different covenant. Verses, John 14, 14, Matthew 7, 7. But now, he, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Correct. Correct. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And everything is eternal, by the way. Is it 100 years from now? And one of us is not one of us going to be thinking about Ian. So why think about it now? Now, just a little preview. It's all... And I mean all, you're like, how is he going to draw this into his current message series on, well, it's next level, but with a subtitle of deep obedience. It is all about obedience. Not all, Tom. It's all about, there's love in there. No, love is obedience. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It is all about obedience. What is love for God? 1 John 5, 3, to obey his commands. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. John 15, 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Now we've been talking about, we've been talking about deep obedience. Obedience beyond the rudimentary. Obedience beyond the elementary. You know, I no longer lie. You can't lie. No, if you're still a liar, you're going to hell. I don't care how many fresh starts and new beginnings you've had. I don't care how many times you've responded to an altar call here. You haven't repented of your sin, you're going to hell. That's rudimentary obedience. That's breathing. There's not a soul in this room that's not breathing. That's life. But nobody in this room has reached their full potential. That's deep obedience. You can't get the deep obedience without rudimentary obedience, without breathing. If you haven't stopped sinning, I don't, it doesn't matter what a Baptist tells you or a Methodist tells you or a soft-pedaling pastor tells you. You're not going to heaven. Understand that. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10, 26, and 27. I could do 10 just like it. Nobody ever reads those things because they don't fill pews or offering buckets. Now, luckily, you have a pastor who's not motivated by either one of those two things. That's Hebrews 10, 26, and 27. Just merely written to the church at Jerusalem. You're welcome. That's the way, that's rudimentary faith. But what we're talking about is deep obedience. Obedience in the non-heaven and hell issues that God wants to usher you into. And Hurricane Ian is the opportunity of a lifetime. It's the opportunity of a freaking lifetime. 
My wife hates it when I say freaking. <laughs> Especially when it's on the Christian television network and people send in messages, emails complaining about me saying freaking. <laughs> Same people that are probably drunk watching the show. <laughs> That's deep. I see freaking, if you want to rid that out of your life, that would be a deep obedience thing. Drunkenness, you're going to hell. While I go to heaven saying, when I go to freaking heaven, you're going to freaking hell. See? You're welcome. We have to move into the realm of deep obedience. Deep obedience is rising from the ashes. You don't have to rise from these ashes to go to heaven. You can be a victim the rest of your life. There's a lot of victims already in this room. We'll get into this. I'm going to push it as long as I can until your kids start to erupt. <laughs> you guys are doing good. We've got a constant flow going in and out. Conscientious mothers, love you all, seriously. <laughs> so you have to be obedient. What, remember what David said. Then his servant said to David, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, Why? while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Different covenant. I shall go to him, but he shall not go to me. That's obedient. There's no point in mully grubbing it. it. He already did that. Listen, just so you know, and, I'm, and this is not to give you license to behave badly. When I tell you about my faults and my failings, don't go to your wife and say, well, that's how Pastor Tom acts, so I'm acting that way. <laughs> People have done that in this church. Because I, because I confess my faults to you, which is James 5, 16. Because I confess those to you, doesn't license you. You, in other, if you're going to do that, then come after church, take a giant picture of me, put it on your wall and burn incense to it because I'm your God. I spent about 48 hours, including the storm, mully grubbing it. I was peed off. I'm like, how could this be? I prayed this thing off. I was not happy. I do not like when the things that I don't pray over don't happen. Because they almost always do. And when they don't, I don't, I don't blame God. I actually talked to God after my pool cage blew away <laughs> that I just spent $3,000 on. Listen, it hurts to watch 20 grand blow away. And after I watched it blow away, and there's two parts to that. I was walking through my house, I said, God, I asked you not to let my pool cage blow away. And I asked you that there would be no winds here of over 70 miles an hour. I'm not happy. But Lord, I know it's me, help me. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
No Christians do that except Foundation Church, River Church, and Revival Today Church, because nobody else preaches the gospel. It just becomes, well, you know, the storms of life come. Sometimes they blow around your house. Sometimes they blow through your house. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Dust the ashes. Dust the ashes. It's not the Bible. If I fail, I cry out to the Lord. Lord, I do believe. And I don't know. God, I don't even like you right now. I'm mad at you. I'm still scared of you. But help my unbelief. And here's the other thing. I just let it go. Here's, the, here's what I mean by that. You know what I needed to do to save my pool cage? You're like, Tom, it's a bougie thing, your pool cage. Well, you know what? Go, go pound your own stinking sand. I'm, listen, you bougie? I'm a retired deputy sheriff. I'm bougie? We built our own house. We built that pool. I'm bougie? Give me a break. You know what I needed to do to save the pool cage? Go out and cut it. It would have saved it. We had just installed the worst thing you can possibly install. No CM proof pool screen. So in other words, what I did was say, hey, Ian, here's a sale. Take my, make my pool cage your own boat. And all I needed to do was either go out and cut it or just pull the spline off and let it blow through. I didn't think of it. And that's all I've been thinking about since the storm until I said, you know what? No more. The child's dead. There's nothing more I can do. I couldn't even take the pool cage down. Bill, Bill Fancook's Guatemalans had to pull it down for me. There's nothing more I can do. It's gone. When the deductibles come your way, God will meet the need. What do, you, what do you do when you have a need? Amen. You do the opposite of the world. You don't save, you sow. Oh, there's a pastor after my money. Don't sow it somewhere else. Sow, sow it up your own caboose. <laughs> you don't trust me, you don't trust me. Time to move on. I walked out from that storm, and I literally was in shock. I walked out. I'm like, it was 8 o'clock in the morning. And I walked out, and all my neighbors were around. A lady came up, and she was asking me a question. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's asking me, asking me, and I go, what? What? She asked me a third time. I said, wait, what are you asking me? And all she asked me was, where's your dog? I couldn't get it. I was in shock because I walked out. My whole neighborhood was different. Well, you know what? It's different now. Who cares? It's time to move on. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That is not a suggestion. I'm looking at faces right now. There's a few of you that if I was out there walking around, 
I may walk up to you and say, what is wrong with you, Christian? Because this is your facial expression. Everybody else is laughing, and this is you. It's like, it reminds me of the contest that I used to do with my, with my daughter, Norma. We'd have a don't smile contest. First one to smile loses. But you can try to get the other one to smile. You're trying to win. I would win almost all the time because I would just think about sheriff's office calls. That's you right now. You, you think that you're licensed to sorrow. You're not. You're not licensed to sorrow. It says, do not sorrow because your strength is the joy of the Lord. Why are you not clapping right now? Because you believe that affliction is an attribute. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath the continual feast. I have no air conditioning. I have no walls. I have no house. You have Jesus. That's all that you need. Behold and watch the provision of the Lord. Watch him work. Watch him work. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that has a merry heart has a continuous feast. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Proverbs 17.22. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. These are not optional. You take every thought captive. You make it obedient to Christ. It's what you do. You know, I've been muller grubbing. Well, knock it off then. Well, the storm blew away my bipolar pills. Opportunity of a lifetime for you. That's, a, that's the mighty rushing wind you needed. You want me to keep going? Is everybody doing all right? I don't have that many notes, but a lot of this, what I'm saying, isn't even in here, so. Don't be a victim. It's disobedient. I know a lot of people think, and especially, you, you should never be conforming to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is, is that victimhood is now your ticket. People that are minorities now feel like they are licensed to beat up people of other races because they have been told that they are victims when they've never been a victim. You know, there goes that racist pastor. You can call me whatever you want. Facts are facts. Why is it that people walk around our stanchions? At least doing what he has to do. When there's a stand, let me just give everybody a hint here. Now this is for, this is not for the 99.999% in the room. But when you see a stanchion up, that's supposed to be to keep you out. Well, that just, that just entices my curiosity. Well, you're carnal. What do you think's back there? You know what's back there? Carnage! Debris! Trash! Fiberglass! 
Let me just walk around it. It drives me nuts. You know what I do when I see a stanchion at the River Church? I go the other way. That's the only other church I go to. So, But I've done that my whole life. Whenever there was a stanchion in any church or any building at the sheriff's office, I'm a, you know what? I used to say this all the time. I'm a police officer. I can do whatever I want. You know, some of you are like, oh, I don't, listen, I'm not one anymore. You can't me. I just sit, you know. I want to drive fast, I drive fast. I want to go the opposite way, I go the opposite way. I go, want to go northbound to southbound, I go northbound to southbound. You can't do that. I have blue lights, you don't. But even at the sheriff's office, there's stanchions up. I walk the other way. Now, I'm probably going to end up messing myself up because there's probably a legitimate reason that I'm going to find out after the service and have to go and apologize, which I've had to do more than once. <laughs> but you can't be a victim because being a victim is disobedient to the covenant that you're in. I read you the verse earlier, Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of victimhood are evil. All the days of the afflicted are evil. Here's another one for you. This one will this one stamp on some feelings. Don't beg for money by word or deed. Are you chronicling your suffering as a born-again believer? Standing in front of your pool cage? Sweeping up debris? And it's not just begging for money, you're begging for sympathy. Why would, why would the esteemed of Jesus beg for sympathy when you have the almighty God whose eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And you're, oh, oh, help me, help me. To the world? That's why you don't see a daggone picture on nothing. And if we put anything like that coming out of the church because I don't run our social media, make sure we're not. I only want glory to glory because that's reality. That's reality. This is just opportunity of a lifetime. Ask of me and I shall give, give thee. Ask of me. It's, it's Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the inheritance of the heathen. I just abbreviated it. The wealth of the sinner, Proverbs 13, 22, is stored up for the righteous. You don't go on your knees. Got quiet in here. There's lots of people who want sympathy. I'll tell you this. This morning, I told you I live a weird life. I'm out walking my dog. <laughs> yeah, one of those stories again. <laughs> he runs into a neighbor's yard who has another male dog. They just like can't resist each other, but they hate each other. They're about the same age, Teddy. And they brutally get into a massive fight. And I'm having it, and there's just a, the, the, 
the owner was not there. The, male, the man was not there. I'm friends with these people. It was the son who's just a, I don't know, he's probably a middle school, young middle school kid. So I'm breaking up the fight between these two dogs. And by the way, it's Malamaw versus uh, Labrador Retriever, both of them males, very strong. And I end up with this contusion on my shin. I don't even know how I got it. It's sticking out this far. Right here, you can probably see it through my, through my pants. So I'm like, the only reason why I'm telling you that is to illustrate the story. Now, I could have gone home. Look what happened to me. I said nothing. Because I want it gone more than I want the sympathy. I want the provision, not the sympathy. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Those steps have not stopped. They're ordered. Ian should not have happened, but it doesn't affect the steps. The world can even, listen, even when the world intrudes, it cannot stop the steps. As long as your eyes are fixed on that which you cannot see. So we fix our eyes, fix our eyes on the unseen. 2 Corinthians 4.18. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37, 23 through 25. Though he fall... He shall not be utterly destroyed. So why are you painting that picture? Do you know what you get when you sow that seed? Utter destruction. If you are sowing seed for sympathy, you will get, you will get the harvest of that seed. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Well, I've been begging, Tom. You're out of the will of God. This, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather die not begging than live begging. You're like, oh, come on. I've done, you've seen me demonstrate it. Even if COVID was really deadly, which it's not. I would rather die of COVID than shut my church down. I would rather die of COVID than put a mask, a muzzle on my face. Or take a gene-altering therapeutic and be, be one of Mengele's experimental experiments. Experiment subjects. Matthew 6.16. Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Don't be out there begging for sympathy. Last thing, I'll close with this. Guard your heart. How? What does that mean? It means a myriad of things, but I'm gonna focus on one. Guard your heart by guarding your mouth. Just like repentance is a change of mind brought about by a Proverbs 16.3 change of action. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. How do you change your mind? You change how you act. You don't change your mind which changes your actions. You change your actions which changes your mind. You're talking about repentance? Repentance. You have never even attempted repentance if you don't change your actions. That's 
Your heart is kept pure and made pure by your words. Your heart is kept pure and made pure. You want to, above all else, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. Mind what you say. Now, when you have an opportunity, you're thinking, should I say it or should I not? What should you do? Don't. Always lean heavily towards saying absolutely nothing. You know, my wife looks like she may have put on a few. Say nothing, you dummy. You want to move into a monastery? Figuratively? Especially if you're fat. If your stomach looks like a deflated clown balloon, don't say something about your wife. Keep your mouth shut. And some of you, you married way out of your league. And she's downhill a little bit, but she's nowhere near where how bad you were when you got married, and you've gotten worse. You're welcome, ladies. I'll pick on, I'll pick on the men next week. Your heart is kept pure and made pure by your words. Literally. Literally. For out of the abundance of the heart. Matthew 12, 34. Very important person speaking here. His name is Jesus. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's reversed too. Because what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your mouth are the things that you have said and that you've planted in there by your own. It's words, words literally germinate words. First Samuel 16, seven. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It's Matthew 12, 37, stacked on top of First Samuel 16, seven. What do you what do you say in the midst of times like this? A myriad of things. I will be better than I've ever been before. I was talking to Pastor Rodney last night. He called me before the podcast, and that's all he never talked. He never speaks negative things. Ever. I'll tell you this about Jonathan Shellsworth. His wife received a very, Adalis, received a very dire diagnosis. And this is not, it's okay, she's good now. A while ago. This is how Jonathan responded. You ready? <laughs> He's in there, Jonathan is a gamer, for those of you who don't know. Plays video games. He has the Bible memorized, don't judge him. <laughs> he, compare your knowledge. I... I absolutely am intimidated because I'm like, and a lot of you think I know the Bible. Well, I don't know nothing in comparison to Jonathan or Rodney. That's why I sit under them. But Adalus comes into the room and says to him, you know, I'm very scared. He goes, do not fear. And goes back to playing his video game. And she hated him. But that is exactly, I'm telling you, I know the man. 
It's exactly how he lives. He never fears. He is never negative because he's obedient. It's disobedient to speak fear. What's, uh, we have, what about our deductible? What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you, do you tithe? Well, no. Well, then you should be nervous. <laughs> You're disobedient already, so you might as well just go ahead and let your words fly. No, start tithing today. Tom, do you not realize that my house is underwater? What's that got to do with Jesus? My house is full of water too. I'm going to stop my tithing. You stand in faith. Now you do not fear. That's why Adala says, you know what? The only time I ever listen to him is when he's preaching. But if you looked at what's gone on with his ministry, his town came against him. His board of, what, I don't know what they call it up there, we call it board of county commissioners here, came against him, put a notice on his door, you shall not have church. Oh yeah. Jonathan doesn't fiddle about with permitting, just so you know. I'm leaning heavily that way myself in a lot of ways in my life. Considering the people, how, how, how stupid the government is. So what happened was there was a church in town. It's Moon Township, which is basically Pittsburgh. It's out the outskirts of Pittsburgh. And a, a Presbyterian COVID-caving branch COVIDian temple called and complained about them. And the county committee, Aaron, make your way so everybody knows I'm closing. Everyone make your way. They go and they, they put a notice on. Basically, you cannot have a church service here. You are shut down. He did, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know how long that would have shaken me. If it was my wife, it wouldn't shake her for a second. She'd be like, no. It's like Aaron when he walked into Walmart. Uh, remember at the height of COVID in March? Uh, Sir, can you, can you get a mask? Aaron never would respond. He'd give him almost a sideways Hitler. No! No! Just walk into his shopping, left him alone. Make it hard on him. Make him chase you around to violate your constitutional rights. At least make it hard on him to do it. But Jonathan did not fear. His countenance never changed. He didn't have a solemn service. Nothing. He says, they're not shutting me down. Conducted service, scheduled himself at the town hall with his attorney. And the fear of the Lord came over that place. And people are coming up to him saying, what can we do to help you? That's what you do. Words are huge. Words are whether you are obedient or not. Finishing with this, Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. That's everything, by the way. Well, you know, I can't come to church because I got to go do this today. Okay, great job. What are you thinking? Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. That's literal and figurative. 
And those who love it will eat its fruit. Last verse, Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Why? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, and that Spirit is capitalized, shall have everlasting life. What's the Word of God? It's seed. Every word is seed. Parable of the sower. Whatever you plant is coming up. If you're having a mully grub session, if that's what you've scheduled today, cancel it. And when people speak it to you, correct them or get away from them. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceiveth not in him the lips of knowledge. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Proverbs 14, 7. Proverbs 17, 12, in that order. Amen? Does that help anybody? It's a tough love, church. And so, you know, we're handing out thousands of dollars. We are helping people. But I, listen, whether you believe it or not, the Word of God is far more precious and far more valuable than a check. Stand, stand in the Lord and watch His provision unfold before you. Amen? Stand to your feet. Receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. Every hand in the air as I pray from my left to my right. Holy Spirit, gird up your people. Strengthen your people. Encourage your people. Empower your people. Lift their heads. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. We will stand back and watch the provision of the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Church shouts, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.